You're listening to By the Well, a lectionary-based podcast for preachers recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people. Hi everyone, I'm Fran Barber. And I'm Sally Douglas. And today Sally and I are going to be focusing on the week of Transfiguration. We've just come to the end of the season of Epiphany, the season of Incarnation and the Manifestation of God. Uh, And today, Transfiguration, we're going to be looking at uh, quite a few readings. There's a lot here, Sally. Yeah. Exodus 24, verses 12 to 18. Psalm 2. 2 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. And Matthew 17, 1 to 9. They all dovetail, don't they, they and, do. and interpret each other. I'm not sure how you feel about Transfiguration, but I love this Sunday. I think it's a really precious Sunday in the church calendar. Yeah, I think so too. And it's one that um, gives us an opportunity to really bask in the splendour of beauty and yeah. how we might express that in the liturgy and in our prayers and our physical space. And it's also, I think, a challenge um, in the preaching sense when we know it. We might want to sort of preach about what we must do all the time. Mm-mm. That's actually not what we're meant to be doing when we preach the good news. This actually really challenges us to think about how who is who is God? Yeah. Who is the God who is being you know, to whom we bow in these passages. Amen, amen. Um and And there's a bit know, of a punchline in Matthew yeah, about that. Yeah. You know, that Jesus is not just a teacher mm-hmm. and this week really challenges us to really deep dive into how, you know, how he's not just a teacher. Exactly. So we're probably going to spend more time in the New Testament, but we just need a little bit of grounding yes. at least in the Old Testament. So the lectionary leads us to explore, just to remind ourselves of ancient Jewish traditions around holy mountains and mm. Moses in particular. So it's in Exodus 24 we encounter God and Moses and, and others with Moses, but at this setting of giving the tablets in verse 12, come up the mountain, I'll give you the tablets and this and a, affirmation of the covenant as well and this kind of sense of God longing to uh, longing for Moses to dwell within mm. God really in the mountain it's a really amazing passage they also see God um, in this in this section of um, Exodus 24 which is often overlooked but there's this real intimacy with God's presence that's the word I was just going to use that this passage is striking to me in the intimacy with the awe yeah. as well that there's there's the paradox of that reality of God comes through all the passages but this one in particular yeah and this sense again we have this rhythm of the the 40 days and 40 nights of, of Moses dwelling in this holy space so already we know that uh, both in Jewish traditions and in other traditions mountains are holy places so um, space matters, physicality matters, and then the intimacy happens in a particular place with particular people. And it's that intimacy that is the breaking down of the barrier between heaven and earth, yeah. or not the breaking down of the barrier, that's very sort of the liminal, the liminality or the thin veil between yeah. them. Is revealed. So it's a disclosure yeah. almost of the intimacy. Yes. Yeah, yes. stepping into the intimacy. And clouds do that. I mean, clouds are... Remarkable quality in that they sort of seem impenetrable, yeah, but but disclose as well, yeah. And there's a healthy sense, so intimacy, but also that awe that you mentioned too. So it's still frightening and challenging, mm. and, and it's not all just um, sit around the campfire kind of sense. Like it's a it's a really dramatic encounter and being encountered by within the story. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. Oh, this is a, just a fragmentary interest here, but where where um, Aaron and 
the, the, the others are told to wait. Whoever yeah. has a dispute may go to them. Something about the <laughs> making allowance for the complexity and frailty of human community yes. and the perception of this strange event, how the recept- reception of it and how that will go down. Yeah, with and, the community and Joshua going, but waiting as well. It's this is it's so interesting. Like I wondered, I've been thinking about this a bit recently, actually. About do we take seriously that people are called into? I don't mean even designated particular roles, but to to step up at particular moments, mm. and and we don't all have to do everything. But how do we each support one another when someone's being asked to big stretch and someone? Um, isn't you know like yeah, how yeah. To, but they all have a role to play yeah and no, that, yeah and that's what's happening here yeah so shall we jump over though or do you want, do you want to say anything more about no, no, it? yeah so that's just our context because we really do want to lean into the transfiguration itself so psalm 2 um has been chosen because it has this refrain in it um that is echoed in the transfiguration so in psalm 2 verse 7 so it's kind of Psalm one and Psalm two kind of link together about what is what it is to be blessed and um, and relying on God is seen to be and and seeking to follow God's ways is what it is to be blessed. But at verse uh, seven, we hear the words, "I I will tell of the decree of the Lord." He said to me, "You are my son. Today I have begotten you." So there are these traditions. Um, that this is a coronation psalm or was used in coronation. So I'm always a little bit like maybe, maybe, like we don't know. But that that is certainly how it's been read. And so this sense of the king being God's son is certainly a kind of pattern um, in all kinds of religious settings. And so that it could have well have been used as a, a coronation uh, part of a liturgy for that with God being the true king, mm. you know, the ultimate king, but this, this human son. Um, so obviously for Christians that's picked up. Uh, in all kinds of ways, it's in the baptism. Um, this voice, you are the beloved, yeah, forgotten. Um, and sometimes it's direct. So in Mark, it's directly, but then um, this one is the beloved in other gospels. And then here again in the Transfiguration, we hear this voice. So there's this pattern that becomes really important um, in the early church for understandings of who Jesus is. Mm. Yeah, I love the word echo. To me, that really, you know, the echoing yes. of that through. These ancient scriptures in the psalm all the way through. Yeah, exactly. So obviously for um, Jewish communities, they would understand Psalm 2 in a really different way and different Jewish communities would understand it differently to other different Mm. Jewish communities. But it has this sense of regardless of what the world is doing, what the kings of the world are doing, um, God is the true king and God chooses Mm. an appointed one, the Messiah, anointed one, um, or the king. So. And it's clearly also an example of a community using the text they knew mm. to try to explain or account for and describe this new experience Yeah, that was both continuous but discontinuous. Yeah, yeah. Ag- exactly, like mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the 2 Peter reading, 2 Peter 1 verse 16. Yeah. So in this passage, we really have a, an interpretation of the scripture of the trans about the transfiguration, yeah. don't we? Um, and the context of Peter himself is in prison, is he, or he's under great sufferance anyway? Well, so this is where it gets really interesting in in New Testament studies. There's so many scholars just say Second Peter's not by Peter; it's right. nothing to do with him. I 
I, again, tend to be a little bit more agnostic. We don't know what we don't know. One of the – well, there's a couple of different arguments. One is um, there are already disputes about First Peter who wrote that. But one of the arguments that is made is that the Greek is too sophisticated for a fisher person. Mm -hmm. I find that really unhelpful because it's an argument from silence. We have no idea of – the literacy levels of Fisher people at the time um, and the sense that Peter is poor, I think, is a misnomer. We don't know. Well, Fisher what... people weren't poor necessarily. That's right. And he has a house they all go back to, so he's clearly yeah, not yeah, that poor yeah. and, and a boat. And, you yeah, know, yeah. so I don't think that argument stands up. I just don't think it does. But there are arguments that the language in 1 Peter is very different to the language in Second Peter, but then we also use different language at different times. Mm. So, yes, we don't know. So we don't know who wrote it, possibly some Peter, probably not. Maybe someone in his community, don't know. Um, could be in prison. Depends on when it was written. <laughs> but so, but the theological point is most important, isn't it, for pre- our preaching purposes and our life of faith, mm. isn't it? That he was um, preaching, talking, living out the faith, explaining it in the context where um, Jesus coming was in dispute. Yes. Now this is real and and, and first Christians are starting to die. Some yeah. some so, through persecution, but some just through old age. So real doubt about the timeline yeah, like, here. And yeah. therefore we can act how we want. Like, you know, this thing isn't happening, it's spurious, yeah. the whole yeah. projection of things. And so we're just gonna kick back. And you can ima- I can imagine how that might happen I mean so obviously there are competing philosophies and religions all around the place. So one of the Epicureans who are like, eat, drink, mm, be merry, mm. do what you like. There is no afterlife, there is no punishment, go just for it. Just enjoy it's, yourself. Just enjoy yourself. So there's that kind of cultural um group to that might be influential. But also I suspect um you could easily read parts of Paul or other places where it says, you know, there is no law but love and go, woohoo, well, that means actually, <laughs> you know, no consequences, no bound. Like, yeah, yeah, you can do what you like. Do what you like. Yeah, which is kind of what the Corinthians were. Well, we th- maybe, maybe, yeah, exactly. Well. And yeah. so, you know, human nature being what it is, yeah. So there's this crisis of, well, it's not, Jesus hasn't come back yet, so it's, there are no consequences. We can do what we like. I think that's, you're exactly right. That's what the context is for part of this letter yeah and so he's really emphasizing here that what he's talking about is not something that he came up with on his own yep. or that was concocted in some sort of gnostic sense yeah of some a magical, clever myth. magical yeah. knowledge that somebody had some insight into yeah um but that he was an eyewitness and others have been eyewitnesses yeah. and they're telling us what they saw it's pretty beautiful too mm. um and what i find fascinating about this passage and so it, Dating of this letter is disputed. If it was by Peter or his community somewhere in the 60s, if it was someone else maybe up to, I don't know, somewhere into the 100s, but we don't know, but it's fairly early. Mm. Um, I love that the author of this letter goes here. They don't go uh, – like it's curious they don't go to resurrection accounts. Mm. And I'm not saying that that's – I'm not suggesting for a moment that they didn't have those. It's just really interesting that, that, yeah. that this was so pivotal and striking – this experience that this is what they appeal to. And I think that suggests that the author thinks that the people that they're writing to believe this. Like you wouldn't – if you're trying to have authority in your argument, you're trying to appeal to something that people go, yeah, that's right, I remember. Mm -hmm. And so they're writing with some confidence recounting this experience from the space of assuming that people go, that's right. They had that experience. And, of course, resurrection is totally implied Absolutely. in this event. We sort of haven't made many comments about that, 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 that this yeah is a, this event is a sort of summary of all the gospel. Yeah. Um, 
but, but it is. It's holding cross and glory yeah. together. Yeah. Um, we'll go into we'll that. We'll go into that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, later, but, exactly. Yes. The other thing I love about this, and it's this gorgeous note that kind of points to the resurrection but also um, the final culmination of things is this reference to the morning star rising mm. in your hearts. Mm. I just think, I mean, it's tender, beautiful imagery, but it's also in Revelation and refer- Jesus is the bright morning star. So this, this sense of, I think, referring to experiences the community are having of the risen Jesus rising in their hearts and then pointing to, you know, future glory, future mm. gathering up of all things. And the, the givenness in creation of light, that it's not something that it comes from its own source, mm. um, like this is from God yeah, and, and light is uncreated in any other sense but from God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So I, if, the, if it's possible to um, have this passage read in worship, I know it's a tricky thing discerning how many of the four readings mm. you have, but it is particularly beautiful just to, you know, for we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for... He received honour and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, this is my son, my beloved. Yeah. I feel like it, I mean, it is a lot of things to herd read out in scripture, but I feel like the the placement of people, you know, having three different voices from different corners of the building, whatever Beautiful. sort of room you're in, yep. slowly, you know, and then they're all located date-wise beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this magnificent story, mm. this life-changing, faith-changing story, is, is interpreted in these ways, yeah. this encounter with God, this bridging of the gap between us and God, which is broadly speaking what all this is about. Mm. How do we get – how do we encounter? How do we get close? Mm-hmm. How does God get close to us? Mm. More to the point because it is God's initiative here. Yeah, and and Entirely. and stepping right into our reality. Yeah. 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 So we have the prophetic message fully confirmed. It's interesting, you know, thinking about – the, the prophets that are going to be named in the new t- in the Matthew yes. reading, um, so you know, law and prophet is accounted for in the history and the telling and the interpretation of this. Yeah, for Peter as well, and that it has implications both for how or the author's hoping that it has implications for how people live now, but also as a hope, a sense of hope. Like you can rest in hope; you don't have to be. Um, Knowing or rehearsing or being convinced by clever theories, this is this is the lived reality that we've tasted, and and you can rest in that. Mm. I did see verse twenty stood out for me this time because you know I suppose if you've been preaching the lectionary for years and years and years and you're looking for a new angle, yes, there's something about verse twenty being an invitation to a sermon about how we live, read with, live with and read and understand scripture and our tradition. So I'll just read it out so people know. So first, uh, first of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Now, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're not going to be able to account for that in this conversation here. Oh, so, can I say a tiny thing though? Absolutely. But yeah. I, I think that is so rich and inviting to preacher i agree and it links in with what i love so much what the voice says to um says to those gathered on the mountain with when jesus has been made radiant um it's listen to him listen and i feel like preachers this is our core call before we dare to put pen to paper or open that laptop are we actually Instead of, oh, I'm going to do my clever mm. interpretation, staying in prayer first and going, you know, read all the readings. What do you want me to say, precious God? Mm. And actually listening. Mm. Great. There's a sermon there, people. 
<laughs> so Sam and focus. <laughs> I think it's, I really believe it though. Like, yeah, and because Holy Spirit, if we let, if we are open, um, she will work through us. No matter what scraps we have that week or what great insights, she can actually work through us to then communicate with those gathered. I was listening to a um, conversation with Helen Garner this week, yeah. Sally. Helen Garner, for those outside Australia, is a, a quite a very well-known, accomplished author. Yeah. He lives in Melbourne. But she was describing the anguish of the creative process of writing and she's 80 years old yeah. and she still hates herself. She thinks she's hopeless. Oh, bless. Like there's this process she goes through yeah. all the time of self-doubt and it's part of that holy – well, maybe she would use the – yeah. The language of Holy Spirit, she may actually. But there was something about in her description mm. of writing that was sermon creativity. That that was, well, certainly my experience yeah. of sermon creativity. And what you're pointing to here is, is the, the confidence and trust to listen to him. Yeah. Uh, and to be humble. Like, to be humble. To be humble, to be okay with. But yeah. not self-chastising to the point. Oh, of, no, no, no. <laughs> which is what she was getting. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> So let's jump over to Matthew, shall we? Um, yeah, let's do that. So that's um, Matthew 17. Is it? Yeah, this Matthew is- 17. Did you know you could join our Facebook group, By the Well, for extra content and discussion? So Matthew 17, 1 to 9. So you kind of pointed to this before. The context is really important. And it's the same in Mark as well where Jesus has asked them, who do you think I am? Mm. You're the Messiah and they're ready to, you know, be really victorious about that and then just says, actually, I'm going to be persecuted and um, beaten and betrayed and killed and 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 raised. Jesus also mm. says raised. But Peter has complete freak out, says, no way, no way, no way. And then Jesus says, get behind me, mm. um, Satan, get behind the accuser. And so the revelation has already been made clear that yes, Jesus is is the beloved Son that we for for Christians is the beloved one as as proclaimed or po- pointed to, echoed to in the Psalms. Um, but it's not the kind of Messiah you were looking for. It's the suffering one. So that's the context of this mm-hmm. reading. And if if we just hear the passage alone, we can easily go, oh, it's all just glory, glory. Yes, but actually no. Or or vision. So I, I think I'd. Also, want to say here, we have a response, generally speaking, to the word vision yeah. that is not what would have been understood by vision by the people hearing this text. So we tend to see it as some sort of personal thing that I'll have a vision that you, you know, will never grasp or yeah, sure. something sort of. Whereas this is something much more objective and um, discernible to the eyes and the ears mm. and shareable. Yeah. So it's a different view to us. Our sort of notion of Person, vision, I think. yeah, I think, and I, it's a, that question to a um, ex- religious experience too. Um, I, I really am passionate about us reclaiming the place of that. That it can be kinesthetic, it can be felt at times, and there, you know, of course, religious experience can be manipulated. and We need to be careful and do lots of safeguards. But that that is part of the Christian tradition. The eyes of our hearts have been opened. You know. Uh, as well as Wesley said that my heart was strangely warmed that, that, that these can be um, both individual but also shared and collective and uh, then talked about and, and transformative. Which we're enjoying here. Exactly. The fruits thereof. <laughs> so six days later, creation shouts to us yeah, isn't <laughs> with that, that phrase. So we, yes. this is the seventh day when yeah. we're commanded to rest and enjoy God. Amen. Um, that's when this transformative event occurs. I, on this, the mountain. On the mountain. Yeah. 
I love again that there are people with Jesus. There's this so much in the Gospels, isn't it? People are not sent off by themselves, but they're with others. And mm. Jesus too has those with him, even if they don't get it, which clearly they don't, mm. but um, not alone. No, and they're allowed to remain with him, unlike Moses' yes. chums in the first Yeah, reading. that's right. Um, and they do stay with him. It's an interesting comparison to think about how they are in Gethsemane when they're with him. Yes. They don't understand here, you're right, but even worse in Gethsemane they fall asleep. Yeah, and then so, they flee at the and cross. And they run, yeah. yeah. So he was transfigured, so this was done to him. This is God's divine agency. Mm-hmm. And I always, I don't know how you feel feel about it or think about it, Fran, but I, I actually prefer or imagine it more of a disclosure, disclosure of who Jesus already is. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's suddenly like a spotlight shun on Jesus. But Ta-da, right, this is who yeah, I am. Yeah, but it's much more, particularly in Matthew's gospel, we we're already, and, and I know the transfiguration is not in John's gospel, but I think it's a more Johannine and a Matthean thing that Jesus is the God one. Jesus is the word of God in Matthew, in John's gospel. In Matthew, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and also in both those gospels, Jesus is imaged as Sophia, the one from the beginning, um, and she is the radiant one. And now in this moment, all that um, radiance is suddenly, we're able to behold it. Um, it's not that it suddenly turned on but we're able to to it comes together like all those illusions and echoes yeah and we see it we grasp it for that for that moment mm. and it's overwhelming again and terrifying as it should mm. be um but the, the the divinity which is which is um ultimately disclosed in self-giving non-violence in the cross but it, it's revealed in this moment they're able to behold it and in that then and then having Moses and Elijah there so representing the law and the prophets um so just to underscore this because it does drive me a little bit bananas um this Jesus is not being imaged as Moses Moses is there to talk with Jesus Jesus mm. is imaged as being bigger than Moses in this setting so it's a really profound and then we hear this echo again you are my beloved one of the aspects of the transfiguration that um really grabs me, I guess, and it's one that Dorothy Lee talks about. She talks about three uh, foci for this event, um, that it's apocalyptic, so it looks to God's future and the hope and the promise. Yeah, It's sort of very revelatory in that sense. It's it's an epiphany, so it's a disclosure revealing of Jesus, and we've just been talking yeah, about this right. Jesus who is not just the glory one or is gloried in his suffering. Yeah, But it's also... Um, People-focused, it's anthropological in the technical sense. Yeah. And we see that in both the bodily description of Jesus, yes. his body and his face and the fact that he touches, touches and, yeah. and he acknowledges the fear. Yeah. So there's fear here, the human fear, uh, but also the presence, the ongoing witness and presence of these three uh, disciples who don't get it yeah. is the church, so that the church is also uh, taken up or part of. Even in its frailty. In an, even in, and especially perhaps in its frailty. Uh, that th- this these this event, for want of a better phrase, captures all of existence, mm. and it's so tender. Church. Like the love between the first person and the second person, the Trinity is so tender. But then, yeah, Jesus, such tender love for the disciples, like helping them to get or touching them, seeming helping them to get up, um, and and also the the contrast with Peter and the others. It's so human, such a natural desire to want to try and make it permanent. Mm. So yeah. they decided, let's make places. And it's just <laughs> like it's so – we do it again and again. We try and lock things down or make them permanent 
rather than the call from the the cloud, which is to listen. Listen, yeah. Don't do what you've always been doing. Yeah, but you have to do stuff even. Yeah, like yeah. Just, just, just listen. Listen. Yes. Be here. Yeah. Um, and the get up is significant too, isn't it? Mm. Linguistically, it's the rise. So we we are taken up into into Jesus' resurrection. Yeah. Um, all, and all, and kind of an, an exodus liberation as well, I think, in, in Luke's version of that too. So that sense of, um, if I'm remembering the passage, I've looked more at Matthew, obviously, for today. But yeah. that sense, so, yeah, and I just want to circle back to the, like, because we're not wanting to glorify suffering, but it's that the non-violence of giving of Jesus in the cross. It's not an amplification of suffering for its own sake or anything like that, but the, the God that we uh, turn our hearts to is the one who gives of self uh, even in the face of our human violence and loves us through that to the other side and the victory of that love. So, you know, while the community who received this letter in Peter are increasing some level of harassment, like increasing harassment, um, the promise, and, and while others are going off the rails, this promise that the love of God revealed in Jesus um, will will ultimately be that which sustains all things. They're called to silence here, which um, I'm wondering about. Yeah. It's not the messianic secret because we're not in that gospel. No, yeah. <laughs> but it's something about is it's not fully understood until the resurrection or um, I don't know, what have you got to say? Or is this Well, maybe that, Matthew's following Mark in that. I maybe mean, it is fas- that. Okay. I mean, it's fascinating. And that sense of them not getting in Mark, yeah, there's a repetition of I'm going to suffer and then still not getting it. Like it's mm. almost to the point of being comedic. It's so mm. the disciples just miss the point so badly. And maybe that's the same. We can't talk, maybe for all of us, we can't talk about the glory until we get that it's actually quite a costly, like it, not quite, it is a costly thing yeah. to follow this way. Yeah. That's a really interesting thought. Yeah, the yeah. Si- what do we do with the silence? Yeah. How long does it last? Yeah. What draws it to a close? Yeah, well, we know it doesn't last at least this long because then we have we hear about yeah. it here finally. But yeah, yeah, no, indeed. Have yeah. you got any final um, comments we may not have covered, Sally? Because we probably need to draw it to a sure. Finish. So if um, I know we just passed in passing mentioned Sophia, if people want to look into that stuff, I do talk about that in uh, um, my first book about the transfiguration and the presence of Sophia within those texts. So in, We'll put a link in the show yeah, notes to that yeah. if they want to read further. Um, and my, my new book is coming out talking about Jesus and Sophia. I don't talk about the transfiguration much, but I just certainly talk about um, all things and that and the radiant one who, uh, and what that might mean for our theology of all things um, and also t- spend some time talking about Final judgment stuff, which we've kind of just touched on the edges yeah. in the background, and we haven't actually touched on the all creation involved in yeah, this. Yeah, that's what we? I'm really conscious yes. of. So, um, so go back to the text, folks, because yeah. we've run out of time. <laughs> but creation is very much um, encompassed in all of this event. Um, not least, we did allude to it in the six days in the first that's verse right. of the Matthew passage, but um, and and it's in in the earliest hymns cosmic. that we have. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Okay, thanks for listening. By the Well is brought to you by Pilgrim Theological College and the Uniting Church in Australia. It's produced by Adrian Jackson. Thanks for listening.